here's the thing. At some point, you're going to have to stop talking about it and you're going to have to start doing it. At some point, you're going to have to stop doubting yourself and you're going to have to start engaging in the process. And at some point, you're going to have to realize that the dreams God put in your heart are there because they're a compass calling you into your created purpose. Let's get it. So, uh, so Eric is the man. Um, <laughs> I got to meet Eric through uh, Pastor Will, who is the director of Teen Challenge. And um, I was doing a course and teaching on systems and processes. And uh, Pastor Will was like, you got to meet this really smart guy. He'll eat this stuff up. So that's how I met Eric. And we did, we did a, a, a Vanguard. Vanguard together. Yeah. What, what was that? Um, Fight for Your Business or whatever. We did that event. Oh yeah, I don't know what that was called. Yeah, I but anyway, it might have been. I think it was called Fight. For you your emceed business. it, man. I know, but I don't remember that. That's the name. all right. You're forgetting. <laughs> um, we'll call it that. Fight for your business. Fight for your business. Something yeah. like that. But anyways, what I found out about Eric is that he's madly in love with Jesus. Like madly. Um, Eric's also uh, been recovered and has a recovery podcast. He also coaches those that are in recovery. Um, so he's a recovery coach as well. And he's just, he's just an amazing man of God. And I've been wanting to get him here. And um, so I just uh, pray that you guys are blessed by this. I'm going to pray over you, brother. We do that here at the Harvest. We Please. like to pray each other in. So that's what we're going to do. So Father God, Lord, we just thank you for Eric, Lord. We thank you for the word that you've blessed him with. Father, I pray that you just prepare our hearts for that word. Lord, as I always say, Lord, Father, let nothing of us come out of our mouth. So let yes, nothing of Eric come out of his mouth. Father, let it all be of you. Let it be spirit-led, Father. Don't let him worry about what was said right or what order it was in. Mm -hmm. Father, just let it penetrate the hearts that it's going to penetrate. And let every heart in here be penetrated. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you're up, man. We throw tomatoes, by the way. Do you? So he throws tomatoes. I'll dodge them. Good evening. It's really good to be here. Of, of all of the things that everyone could be doing on a Friday night, being here is a big deal. Amen. Being here to seek Jesus. My wife, I was telling my, my wife I was going to be speaking, and I said, babe, he wants me to start speaking at 8 p.m., she said, babe, that's your bedtime. <laughs> I said, I know, I'll just drink some more coffee, <clears throat> which I did. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm here tonight to challenge any belief that you have in your mind that God is not good. I'm going to challenge it with scripture and testimony because he is better than we think. And I think getting our minds on page with who he is is going to be very beneficial moving forward in this world. I hope you don't watch the news, <laughs> but I'm sure we're all somewhat aware of what's going on in this world. Yeah? Jesus is the answer. And he's, he's got the answers and the power and the freedom for all of it. There's, there's a couple things I want to do to start, but I want to, I want to start here and we'll get a little bit more into it. 
Um, I'm going to tell some of my story and talk about some things from the Word. Uh, we'll start with that verse in, in just a minute here. Um, in Acts 2, though, the believers are hiding in fear in the upper room. We know the story, yeah? And God pours out His Spirit on them, followed by signs and wonders. We know the story. There's a sound that everyone can hear. And the Spirit gets poured out, tongues of fire. They're, they're declaring and prophesying the mighty works of God in languages they don't even know. But the people, the, the religious elite in the crowd know because they're speaking their language, even though they don't know their language. Peter gets up roughly 40 days after denying Christ three times. I think we miss that sometimes. It was roughly 40 days after Peter denied Jesus in the flesh three times. He's the one that gets up on Pentecost. And we won't get into the whole thing and we won't pull it up, but <clears throat> he gets up and essentially just says, you're the ones that killed him. He says, you did it. And they cut to the heart. And so what do we got to do? And he says, repent. And receive times of refreshing, repent, and be born again. I think sometimes we just read through the Bible. I've heard this story. I've read, yeah, I know what happens. You know, people get saved. And then on to chapter 3 of the Bible, or chapter 3 of Acts. But let's think through this a little bit here, okay? Jesus was just crucified by the religious elite. The ones that are in the crowd, Peter identifies it, says, you killed him. And the very first harvest that comes in in the new covenant is 3,000 of the same people that killed Jesus. You guys alive? Yeah. Yep. Did you catch what I just said? The, the first people, that, the first harvest that came in, God wanted to make an emphatic statement. And he saved 3,000 of the people that crucified him. How much more wild of a statement can you make with an exclamation point on the end to say, this is who I am. You're going to murder my son. And the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wash you clean and give them to you. He's that good. He's that good that the first people that he would save in the new covenant is the people that least deserve it. I was, thank you, Stephen. Let me read this verse here. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance? Now you look that word repentance up. In the Greek, the word metanoia, it very simply said just means a change in perspective, different viewpoint. You're not seeing clearly. It's the, the goodness, other translations say kindness of God that leads us into, Romans 12, 2 talks about it, a transformed life, right, by the renewing of the mind. It's his kindness that does that. It's his goodness that does that. So I'm 41, married, three boys, 
seven, five, and two. If I look tired, it's because I am. <laughs> <coughs> Blessed. But my life has not always been this way. And how many of you know when you're saying my life is blessed, this is what you're not saying. You're not saying my life is perfect. No, that's not what that word means at all. Oftentimes when you're following Jesus passionately, resistance and opposition comes not because you're doing the wrong thing, it's because you're doing the right thing. And we need to be able to identify that because sometimes we get passionate about God and we step out and this stuff comes at us and it's like my gosh what did I do wrong what am I doing where are you God it's the enemy you're a threat to him that's why it happens I was I was born in California in the Bay Area in a in a Mormon family now, when I say Mormon, I don't mean like my family like went to church, Mormon church, once or twice. I mean, my mom was a uh, Ph.D. professor of religion at BYU. And every aunt, uncle, cousin, brother, sister, mom, dad, every, everybody, devout Mormon. And then there's me. And I, I did not like it from the, as far back as I can remember. Moved out of California when I was 10, too. You want to guess? Oh, gosh. Genius. That is where we went, Utah. It's not a stereotype when you say that, aren't there all Mormons there? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still have a lot of respect, great relationships with my family, love a whole bunch of Mormons. But it ain't the gospel. By the age of 13, in Utah, it was drugs, alcohol, violence, all the insanity we all know about, right? And I can say that one of the biggest things that, that pushed me towards that was my rebellion against having religion shoved down my throat. I just didn't like it. Still to this day, I'm not always uh, really excited when someone tries to tell me what to do. Anyone else relate, or am I the only one? Okay, good, good. You gotta learn how to let the right people tell you what to do sometimes, it goes a long way. But I uh, I didn't like it, so at the age of 13, people would be like, really, there's drugs in Utah? Wow. So from the late 90s to the early 2000s, Utah was actually in the top five for overdose per capita for like six years running. It's just as bad or worse there than anywhere. And it just sucked me right into it. I think maybe there's some people in here who can and relate. You, you get sucked into that at a young age. You don't really know what you're doing or what's happening. It's too late before you even can recognize it. It's too late. Hooks are in. And that was, that was my life. And from the age of 13 to 26, it was drugs and alcohol and an overdose and jail and rehabs and uh, watched over 30 of my friends die. Uh, Didn't didn't witness it, but car accidents, suicide, freak accidents, overdoses, all, all of that. And the age of 26, I 
moved out to California, uh, San Diego. A little bit of a culture shock, Utah County to San Diego. So <clears throat> it was definitely what I needed though. And here's really one, what I wanna zero in on. I, wa I wanna tell a series of stories to you guys telling you that God is good. <laughs> when you screw up, he does not come in and beat you over the head with a stick. He comes in and loves you. Well, yeah, but I've screwed up too many times this time. Do you think he ran out of grace? This time's going to be different. He's really mad at you. This time's going to be different. This time's going to be different. He's so fed up with you that your mistakes are worse than the Pharisees that crucified him who were the first people that got saved. But your mistakes, he's way too fed up with. That was different. That was different than he's sick of you. He's done with it. You know how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> I moved. Let's do this. Will you pull up the Colossians verse, Dave? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this here real quick, okay? I like the Message Bible. Anybody else read from the Message Bible at all? Yes. I can't, I don't know if I could make it the main Bible I read from all the time, but um, I do like reading from it. While he's pulling that up there real quick, I want to say that, um, let, me, let me start this series of stories real quick, okay? I was, I was 26, I was, I was defeated, dead inside. I was, I had hit what people would think was a rock bottom many times. My external circumstances had been much worse. But internally, it had never been worse. Never. I was done. And I called my, <clears throat> my mom and dad, who were always willing to help if I ever showed any bit of seriousness about wanting to change, which I had before, but it just didn't stick yet. And I called them, and they said they would, and I was living in the middle of Nowhereville, Utah, <laughs> like really <laughs> um, and I asked them if they would just send me 40 bucks so I could get gas to drive home and they said they would and they'd help me get into rehab okay driving home no license no registration no insurance and a handful of warrants out for my arrest okay I get I go the whole freeway uh, don't get pulled over right pull over in the, the city my parents live uh, and pull off and I'm like I know these roads pretty well driven them quite a few times I know which ones the cops aren't on you know maybe someone can relate yeah. uh, and I pull off on these roads where the cops aren't on right and sure enough it's a cop right there and I try and just hurry and turn real quick I'm like, let me just get him out of here and he he follows me and he sees I'm speeding up just in a bizarre manner down back streets and flips the lights and pulls me over and I'm sitting there in the car and I didn't pray some eloquent long prayer that uh, you know God was so wowed by I just simply said this God I just can't anymore I'm done help I didn't even say it out loud he comes to the window I already had my license in my hand I said here you go man I have no license registration or insurance I got a handful of warrants off of my arrest here you go handed him my expired license and he kind of looked at me and was like Okay, 
in, inside the okay was kind of like, wow, I appreciate that. No one's ever honest with me. That was great. <clears throat> Another squad car pulls up. I know the drill. Get hauled off to jail on a Friday night. And as maybe I'm not the only one in here that knows, if you go Friday night, you sit till Monday morning. Hello. See the judge Monday morning. And I go in front of the judge and the judge says to me, okay, you got two options here. I can let you go right now and you got all these new charges and you know get you on probation and so on you know get you back in the system and you got to deal with all this right or go to jail for two weeks and i'll wipe your slate clean i hope you are being filled with encouragement and hope from this podcast i want to take just a moment here guys and tell you a little bit about what it is we do here at recovering reality for the last eight years we've been coaching people one-on-one -on -one and seeing radical life transformations if you are struggling with addiction or in your recovery or just feel extremely stuck in life and cannot get past the challenge that's in front of you reach out let's talk see how it is we can help you step into freedom and purpose and in the last few years we have seen more and more people reaching out to us and asking for guidance and coaching on how to start their business or ministry how is it you get that vision in your head down on paper and into action so you can step into your calling and your purpose with god and change the world if that's you let's have a conversation enjoy the rest of the podcast guys I said it so fast. I'm going to jail. <laughs> Less than two weeks later, my family gets me out, and I'm on my way to a treatment center in Seattle. Amen. Listen, it's the kindness of God that leads people to change. He doesn't come and scream at you and tell you what an idiot you are. He comes and he tells you, you don't know who you are. Because if you did, you wouldn't be doing this. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't be, this wouldn't be how you were living. It's okay, though. I'm going to show you who you are. And my grace is going to fuel you, and I'm going to walk alongside you. Let's go. Let me read this. Read this here, okay? Colossians 2, 11 through 15 from the Message Bible. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in, insiders, not through some secretive initiation, right? But rather through what Christ has already done for you. You couldn't earn salvation if you, Elon Musk couldn't buy salvation. It's free. What Jesus did on the cross. Destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Your sin nature was removed from you. Removed. Crucified. Killed. Gone. Your desire... To want to do the wrong thing was crucified. It's dead. What takes place next? Jesus comes and occupies that space in us. Empowers us with his grace so that we can live into our true identity and transformation. When you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. Anybody else relate? I was trying. I mean, I was really trying. 
but it was not happening. Not till Jesus came on the scene. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate. Oh, Jesus. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed the Christ cross. The language in the Message Bible there of an arrest warrant. That probably hits home with a little bit of a few of us, maybe a little bit more. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Other translations say he made a spectacle of them on the cross. We have this idea sometimes, I think, that, oh man, the book of Revelation in the last days, like Jesus and the devil are going to step in the boxing ring and they're going to duke it out and Jesus is going to squeak it out in the 12th round. It's a lie. He's already defeated. Jesus already TKO'd him. Done. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not here as a criminal who trespasses, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It means he's been stripped, though, of his phony authority. So if he has no authority, where did it go? Jesus, who had it all along. So here I am, in treatment, get out of treatment. Wasn't necessarily a choir boy in treatment, <laughs> and, but I was sober. Got out, moved to California, San Diego, to live with my aunt and uncle, okay? And I wasn't, I wasn't quite taking it serious yet. Anybody been there? Where you're, 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 you're happy, you're sober for a little bit, but you're not really doing the work that needs to be done. You're not really understanding the severity of this thing if left unchecked. <clears throat> I went to a couple meetings, uh, had some friends there and whatnot, but I was praying, like I, I kind of, but more going through the motions doing it to be honest, okay? And then one day, I said to myself, you know what? Let me just check my, parent, my, my aunt and uncle's house. and Let me just see if they got any painkillers in the cabinet. I'm not gonna take them. I'm not gonna take them. Let me just, let me just check though. Because we know right where those are in medicine cabinets. So sure enough, find them. And didn't take them on the spot. <laughs> Not then. <clears throat> now, how many of you heard people talk about uh, a reservation? Having a reservation about our recovery. So, <clears throat> I look at it like this, okay? Let's say you're invited to dinner tonight with some people and you're like, you know you need to go, it's the right place to be, but you're like, I don't, let me just make a reservation at a restaurant I want to go to just in case because I don't really know if I want to do this here so you make the reservation it's over here you're not you're not just gonna skip all this but you got it just in case right just in case over here and then you show up to the dinner with these people and you're like I knew I didn't want to be here I'm out of here because the relapse happens in the mind long before it happens in our actions long before 
So I had this reservation in my aunt and uncle's bathroom in their cabinet. And sure enough, an old friend calls me, a girl, and she's living in LA and I'm in San Diego. And she says, come up and, and stay the night. And I'm like, all right, sure. And then my next thought, right when I get off the phone, I can't do that sober. I can't go up there sober. That's, that's not, that's not going to work. But I wasn't about to get drunk and drive on the freeway for two hours. So I took the painkillers. Go up there, spend the night. Before I even fall asleep, the blanket of shame and guilt. Anyone else ever experienced that? Just a blanket of it. Wake up in the morning, not feeling so hot, driving home. And the whole time I'm thinking on the way home, I just need to go get a bottle of vodka. That's what I need. Knowing it's not the answer, but also knowing it's going to numb. It's going to calm the storm for a minute. Get home. Get some sleep. Uh, wake up the next day and afternoon time. Sure enough, I'm, I'm driving to the liquor store and just throw down a pint of vodka thinking it's the answer, right? Now, here's the part where religion wants to tell you, you had your chance, screwed up. God, God set the table for you and you screwed up. Now you, gotta, now you gotta deal with it. God's gonna punish you. But my Bible tells me in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Go, go look that word condemnation up in the Greek. Literally means punishment. I don't know where that fits in everybody's theology, but you can talk to God about it because no, it says it in the Bible. <laughs> so immediately I'm drinking every day again, just like that. A few days go by, four or five days of drinking every day and I'm doing whatever and I uh, get my stuff and you know I grab all the empty bottles that I had sitting there and I throw them on the bed next to my backpack and I'm out the door and for whatever reason I just snatched my backpack and left the empty bottles all on the bed sure enough my uncle sees them comes home gotta go man and I knew it I'm not even gonna try and fight it that's it right I gotta go back to Utah or so I gotta go find a homeless shelter like I'm, I'm toast I'm done right but there's this guy named Jesus who doesn't give up on us. <clears throat> I get a call same day. My cousin and her husband say, hey, you can come stay with us until you get things figured out. They know the situation. They said I could stay with them. I go. I'm 10 minutes from the beach, and they just so happen to be going out of town the next day for 10 days. So here I am in the house by myself like that. I'm just drinking all day. A few days of that. And what takes place? My uncle's calling me. I won't answer. Comes to the house, knocks on the door, pounding on it. I'm trying not to answer. I'm trying to hide. He knows I'm there. Car's out. Finally, I answer, and there I am standing there just like smelling like I took a bath in Bacardi. Got to go again. Now, surely this is the point where Jesus is like, that's it. I'm fed up with you. I'm done with you. Call my friend, and she says, the only place I know where you can go right now is a sober living home in Orange County. That's like the only place I know that you can afford right now, anywhere you can go. So I'm like, all right, 
give me the number, everything, give them a call, I head up there, I get there, and it is, uh, there's, there's probably more sober cockroaches there than there is people. <laughs> and it's a, it's a old hotel with like four rooms on the bottom and four on top, that's it, right? And each room is like two bunk beds, there's four people in it. It's just not exactly the Ritz-Carlton. I'm trying again. I'm, I'm trying, you know, a few days sober, whatever, trying. I'm, I'm going to some meetings. I'm praying. And about 10 days of being there, begging my sister to pay the rent because I didn't have a penny, begging someone to pay the rent to live there. 10 days, they're not knowing where I'm going in like three days because my sister's like, I can't, I'm, I'm done. I can't pay anymore, you know. I'm like, all right, I understand. Having no idea where I'm going. At the end of our rope, this is actually a verse uh, in the Beatitudes from the Message Bible. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more room for God in your life. I got nowhere to go in a few days. I got nothing going on in life. (laughs) Nothing going on in my life. I, I, I guess this finally is it. I, I, I guess I got to go back to Utah and live with my parents or something. Or like I got I, I sleep in my car for a while, which I've done. I, it's, it's over, right? That day I get a phone call. Listen, time out, okay? You need to personalize this in your life. You need to understand that Jesus is going nowhere. Oh, what are you saying? He's okay with my sin and he's just like, he's going to stay there and not have any problems with it? No, no, not at all. He loves you. He's not okay with your sin. That's why he's not leaving. Yeah, you don't know what I've done. Well, you don't know what I've done either. And does the cross take care of some sin or all? Like all? How far do we want to push those limits? All? All? So there I am, <clears throat> get a phone call, and it's a friend of mine who lives there. She's in recovery, and her boyfriend is as well, and they each had like, I don't know, five or six years or something at the time, and she says, hey, um, so here's what's going on. I'm going out of town for like two weeks, and my, my boyfriend, Darren, still good friends of mine, they just came down and visited us here in Florida like probably a year ago. Uh, he's got to go out of town for work. He's going to be gone for like five days and home for one and then gone for six. And uh, we need someone to dog sit our, our dog. You want to come stay at our house? Why, uh, why we're gone? And I told her immediately, I said, because she was the one I called when I was driving home from LA. It was her. So she knew what was going on. I said, look, Eileen, you're aware that I'm like 10 days. You're, you're aware of everything going on in my life, right? She's like, yeah. Yeah, no, I am. So here's the deal. If you stay sober, then when we get back, maybe we can talk about you renting a room here and getting a job and staying here for a while. If you don't, then when we get back, you got to go. Deal. I'm leaving right now. I get there, I meet Darren for the first time. I've never met him in my whole life. I show up and some dude he's never met is about to occupy his house for, you know, 10 days. <laughs> we chat for a minute, he leaves. 
I remember one of the nights I was even relentlessly trying to find weed and couldn't find it. Tell me that's not God. I couldn't find weed in Southern California. (laughs) (laughs) They come home and I hadn't found a job yet and still didn't have, they they said I I could rent the room there for a little while and still couldn't find a job and everything. Just kept looking, trying, going to meetings, and eventually find a job and start working. Don't even have enough money for the first month's rent that's coming up to tell him. And I go to pay the rent, and he says, look, man, we talk. Just keep that money. Just keep it. Just start paying this next month. God is relentlessly good. And it is his good, he, he is going to harass you with his goodness. With the intention of loving the hell out of you. Quite literally. His intention is to love the hell out of us. He's very good at his job. He's very good at his job. And it stuck. That's where my journey started. Screwing up. And I didn't even tell you like seven years before I was 26 of trying to get clean and sober and all those times. Didn't give up on me then either. When we understand how good God is and how much he loves us, that is what empowers us to change. The revelation let me say this, man. We pull up Romans 5 8. Just any, like, just New King James, probably. When we understand, I am, I am loved. God loves me. There's nothing you can do about it. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you wanted nothing to do with God, he was so madly in love with you that he went to the cross for you. Do you think that love changes now once you're walking with him? Nope. There's grace for you before you come to Jesus. But once you come to Jesus, it's all on you. So toughen up. Nothing changes. It's still his love. It's still his grace. He went all in on you. If you're an investment, he, all of it, the whole account, he aped in. His whole entire portfolio, he went in on you. That's how confident he is in what he created. And that's how confident he is in his ability to love you into wholeness. I'll share this uh, last part here really quick. Will you pull up those verses, uh, the Ephesians verses? From, yeah, perfect. Let me read this here real quick. I want to share one last uh, story with you. And then I, I feel like God wants to do some things in the room. So Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 is from the Passion Translation. For it, always, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. 
the same love he has for Jesus, he has for us. How's that even possible? Why? Because you're dead. You are only alive in Christ. You are in Christ. He sees you. We're, we're the body of Christ on the earth. Are we not? Yes. He sees you through the lens of the work his son did on that cross right there. And he loves you the exact same way that he loved and loves Jesus. That's a really good point, Eric. Maybe I'll say it again because the response was minimal. He loves you the same way he loves Jesus. Hallelujah. His son, his perfect son, Amen. who never did anything wrong. Perfection. He loves you the same way. You can't get out of it. You cannot believe it if you want. You can resist it if you want, but you can't get out of it. It's the truth. And I'm telling you, you say, well, I don't feel like that. Cool story, Eric. I believe it. God's good, but that you don't know. That's that's not the way it happened to me. That's not my story. Zero in on this for a season. There's no way you're getting out of it. He loves you. Nothing you can do about it. He loves you. And the more that we can meditate on that, let that sink in, let it become real in our life, the transformation just becomes natural in our lives. Amen. Natural. I'm supposed to stop one minute ago. I'm not going to yet, though. Give me just a minute here, okay, John? Two minutes. Two minutes. I want to pray over you guys, um, but there was a couple of specific things that I also felt like God wanted to do, okay? Are you guys tracking with me? Yes. Message? I hope so, because it's the good news. Let's do this, okay? So, as we were worshiping, um, we're just going to transition into a little bit of ministry here as we wrap up and I pray, okay? But as we were worshiping, um, I felt like uh, God wanted to heal some people. And um, I'll say this, you know, we lived a different way out there. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And... Sometimes there's things that follow us in our health. Even though we've stepped into recovery and we still battle stuff from decisions we made back then, right? When I came into recovery, I had contracted a disease that is incurable. Nothing. You can manage it and stuff, but it's, it's not going away. It's all gone. Amen. Zero traces of it. It's 100% gone. You wanna know why? Because Jesus is a healer. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 19 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What in the world does that mean? That means sharing the testimony of something Jesus did is a prophetic word for anyone listening that if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. So, anyone that would like to respond to this word, if there is things in your health, in your mind, things that happened from decisions you made and you are now doing you are now following jesus or doing everything you can to do so and change your life but those things are not healed i would like you to stand up
Now, those of you that are sitting around them, you're on the prayer team. So this is what I want you to do. If you, you want to just lay hands on this guy right here. Uh, and if you would lay, yeah, perfect, you're getting a little sneak attack right behind you, right here. Uh, gentleman, someone right here. Would someone come pray for this gentleman right here, please? Perfect, anyone else? And anyone back here would pray for this gentleman here? Look, I'm gonna pray like Jesus did, okay? Jesus prayed short prayers. Lord Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for the good news. That's the power of God and the salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you paid for all sin and all sickness and disease on the cross. All of it. We just pray, we just speak right now, God. Anything that is going on in anybody's body right now that is not of you, we command you go back to hell where you belong. Your healing grace, Lord Jesus, complete freedom, complete healing, that they could testify to the doctors and those around them that the great physician did it again. Disease, sickness, pain, all of it. Command you leave now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job, God. John's coming up. I'm going to, let me just pray for the message for everything. I'm just going to pray one more time. All right, guys? And then listen, anybody, if anyone wants prayer or uh, anything, I'm going to hang out. I'll, I'll stay as late as anyone wants to stay. We, I, we might get kicked out in the parking lot, but <laughs> I'll still pray in the parking lot. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. God, I pray for everybody that heard this message tonight, Lord Jesus, that this revelation would become rock solid yes. in their heart. That when we understand how loved we are, it changes us from the inside out. So I pray, God, everyone in this room, harass us, stalk us with your goodness. That your love would bring us to our knees, God, and we would see you in a whole new light. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, healing, wholeness, and that we would know how loved we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. You guys love Eric? Give it up for him. Listen, guys, if this podcast encouraged you, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Go leave a five-star rating. Leave us a good review. It helps us reach more people with this message of faith and of hope. And if you know someone that you think this podcast would help and encourage, go ahead and send it to them. Thanks for joining us on the journey, guys.